0: Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day.
1: I'm going to die surrounded by the biggest idiots in the galaxy. You're a slacker. You stupid idiot! Yeah, well, you know, that's just
2: like, uh, your opinion, man.
1: Ugh! Oh, idiot! Game over, man!
2: Hey, hey, careful Roll. with that, Ronnie Millsap. We're
1: downrange. What's the matter with you? I feel like a Kentucky Fried idiot. Oh, I'll take it from here, nurse. They're putting the band back together.
3: Forget it. No way. We're on a mission from God. Gentlemen, Ciccolini here may talk
0: like an idiot and look like an idiot, but don't let that fool you. He really is an idiot.
1: I was gonna spend the night assembling the Boisier, but this is holding my interest. I
3: got you, man. Greetings ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome once again to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. This is episode 16, and we've been letting this one breathe like a fine wine, Uh, but we knew we'd have to get around to discussing it sooner or later because it's a favorite for both of us. Let's get rando with Mando. We're talking about The Mandalorian this fine episode. My name is Todd and with me as always broadcasting from a pilot travel center somewhere in Illinois where he's just returned from his moonla- moonlighting gig as Earl Hebner's evil XFL referee nephew. That's the right. Hercules to my Paul Roma. He's all about the power and glory. I give you the man they call Tim. Hello, brother. The power and the glory. I was I was I was trying to find a good one, and I'm like, "This was such an odd pairing. Like oh my the gosh. mighty Hercules and one half of the young stallions that they just didn't know what the hell to do with. No, they hey, didn't. let's make these guys a team. Sure,
2: why not? Why not? Why not?
3: And let's have Slick manage them because again, <laughs> why not? Because
2: the concoction, you know, wasn't wasn't fully weird
3: enough as it was. You had to get the uh, the
2: the Reverend of Style Slick in there, so.
3: I mean, it's, oh, it's so just bizarre to me. <laughs> so bizarre. <laughs> you know, oh and then the, and then to have the whole thing kind of start off. So I got a, a little background, and I'll link this in the show notes, but did you know this entire thing started out apparently in the summer of 1990 with Paul Roma facing off against the immortal Dino Bravo. Oh, good old Dino Bravo. On the WWF Superstars of Wrestling. That's right. uh, And losing after he was hit with Jimmy Hart's megaphone, because I forgot somehow Dino Bravo and Jimmy Hart were a thing. Yes. What... I mean, did just did was there that much cocaine going on in like the '80s and early '90s that just nothing made sense? Cocaine is a hell of a drug. Um, <laughs> yeah, they they kind
2: of paired up a number of guys with Jimmy Hart probably to get him some heat. And uh, I I just remember watching primetime wrestling and seeing, you know, it, it, several Dino Bravo matches where where the highlight for me was watching Jimmy Hart running around the ring with the siren going on the uh, on the megaphone. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> that, that that was the high point because Dino Bravo was a pretty bland wrestler overall. So no, oh my really, gosh. Yeah. yeah. So the,
3: I mean, why not just team him up with like the Bolsheviks? I mean, just go hog wild um, while you're at it, well,
2: you know, you know, and 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 then he had Hercules, which was you know some sort of attempt to oh. bring a Greek. God or
3: whatever Hercules was.
2: Oh, Hercules, Hercules, Hercules to the wrestling world somehow. Yeah. And, and his
3: entire gimmick was he had a chain. Oh, yeah. He would swing it around, which I'm like, how did he, how did him and the Junkyard Dog coexist? Because wasn't Junkyard Dog's thing also like wearing chains to the ring? Oh, like? uh, yeah.
2: Yeah. But, but I think uh, JYD had moved on or retired. By the time Hercules came around. so
3: That is a good point. So it probably was borderline. But anyway, so yeah. apparently Paul Roma took a bang on the head from Jimmy Hart's megaphone. Yep. And then he was still in the ring feeling groggy when the Rockers came out for a scheduled match. And then apparently Hercules comes down because Paul Roma was uh, concussed or feeling grog. No, we, we didn't say concussed back in the 1990s. We just said, hey, eh, he got his bell rung. Uh, <laughs> now we would go... That's really bad. Uh, so uh, you know, this whole thing starts off with the Rockers and Power and Glory, which is about the most 1990 thing that you can possibly have. Oh yeah. Be- oh yeah. Because the other part of this is the, the Power and Glory. At one point, I believe they almost, if I'm not mistaken, they either had like the like the silk screen like white T-shirts, like mm-hmm. the screen, uh, like their own T-shirts, or they had. I think they might have borrowed like the Strike Force, like satin like button up jackets from like oh, yeah. 1987. I one of the, it might have been both. But I, think I just they, remember I, it was I, I weird.
2: Think, I think they were wearing those muscle man like cut t shirt Oh, thingies. yes, you're right. You're right. And and they had these like weird like sunglasses where it was like like triangles but but on <clears throat> different you know like the right eye had the triangle up and the left eye had the triangle down. I I'm not quite sure why they felt the need to do that. Because uh, cocaine,
3: that's why. Well, I was cocaine is a hell of a drug.
2: You know, it kind of kills the mystique of the Greek god Hercules when he comes down looking like something out of you know Blade Runner. So you know, yeah. it's just
3: like well, and then you and then of course this is this is great. Uh, Bobby Heenan, while doing commentary, would sometimes refer to Paul Roma as Romeo Roma, while Gorilla Monsoon would sometimes refer to Power and Glory as Herc and Jerk.
2: Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh,
3: Gorilla Monsoon, Which, we love you. Good Lord, I've got to try and find a clip of that because I mean, there's nothing. I can only I'm I can hear it in my head, but I run. I want to hear it in real life.
2: You have to find a clip of that, and then you have to get a clip of just Gorilla Monsoon saying to Bobby Heenan, "Will you stop?" <laughs> that that was uttered at least you know twenty to twenty five times uh, during an episode of Superstars or uh, Primetime Wrestling.
3: You almost made me spit my beverage all over. <laughs>
1: hey, careful, man.
0: There's
2: a beverage here. <laughs> my
3: desk right there. That was an ill-timed sip of the beverage for me or perfectly timed for you.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. So,
3: anyways, I think we've we've uh, discussed uh Herc and Jerk, Power and Glory. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> this is so wrong. I tried it. I tried uh I feel dirty now. Let's um, let,
2: let's move on to the good stuff.
3: Yes, shall we? Uh, thank you all for tuning in. We really appreciate it. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All three of those at Free Range Idiocy. You can also subscribe to our podcast on Podbean as well as iTunes. One of these days, our uh, our petition to be put on Spotify will bear fruit. Until then. You are completely out of luck. Uh, But now we need to get into some real important business. Uh, Sir, uh, what are you drinking? To
1: alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems.
2: Uh, I am having a fine beverage uh, from the New Glarus Brewing Company based out of New Glarus, Wisconsin. This is a Mm. gift from uh, my sister-in-law who was up there recently. Uh, Spotted Cow uh, Farmhouse Ale from New Glarus mm-hmm. Brewing Company. And interestingly enough, because uh, I've been up to this brewery myself, this, I don't know if it's just this brewery or if it's something with Wisconsin altogether, they don't actually export this outside of the state at all. So, oh, yeah. So you uh, you basically have to pick it up and run it across state
3: lines. So <laughs> so you're bootlegging. Uh,
2: my sister-in-law was. No.
3: <laughs> was she listening to like the Smokey and the Bandit like soundtrack on repeat because um, that would be awesome
2: that or the uh soundtrack to frozen too i'm not sure uh <laughs> but but yes yeah, so th- a a big thank you to her for uh for picking some up so thank you
3: uh yes yeah, spotted cow whose tagline is you can taste the cud um oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, someone's in rare form tonight <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm so I'm so unprepared for this episode that I'm just trying to front load all the questions so people oh, actually think it was worth their while listening. Good
2: lord! All right, What well, and, and
3: you, sir, what what are you partaking in? Well, I'm also enjoying a gift as luck would have it. Ah, uh, it was uh, I was celebrating a birthday earlier this week uh well celebrating is a loose term once you get to our age you don't so much celebrate birthdays you just acknowledge them sort of like you know sort of like seeing someone that you don't really want to talk to on the other side of the street and you kind of give them a quick nod and you just walk (laughs) walk on by that's sort of like what i do with my birthdays now like oh good yeah good to see you good you just keep on walking that's right uh but uh i got this as a present Uh, and uh, people are really starting to get to know me, and it's kind of scary here. Uh, A friend of mine was down in Nashville, and she brought me back a bottle of Davidson Reserve. This is four-grain Tennessee straight bourbon whiskey, small batch. And for those of you wondering, it is batch number 2019-004, which is kind of funny because my birthday was on the 4th, and I turned 44. So four very prominent in uh in the I don't if you're into numerology or any of that crap uh, it is at least a uh, three year whiskey and it is a hundred proof which I didn't realize I need to slow down now so anyway uh, it is quite lovely and I would highly recommend it if you have the means
2: with that numbering it sounds like a comic book issue
3: I know <laughs> dude the whole batch number and stuff I always wonder about that because I'm not i''m I'm, I'm an amateur whiskeyologist uh-huh. and and uh, when I see some of that stuff, I'm like, this could be the same damn batch numbers on every single bottle." <laughs> I wouldn't know.
2: <laughs> I mean, for a moment there, you were going a little Professor Frink on us. You know, it's like, "Well, uh, oh, yeah. th- th- this is episode 25.72-6. Bye. Now, um, now
3: you got to watch out because you were getting real close to going Cosby on that. Oh, you know? so, oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we want to avoid that. That's yeah, we just, yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, so anyway, so uh, <laughs> let's get into what. We, yeah, let's let's move on quickly from that. Uh, let's get into what we're going to talk about here, because I think we're both in agreement that uh, Mandalorian is probably one of our favorite things from 2019. Wouldn't you agree?
2: Uh, yeah. And probably one of the more, um, you know, we, we've talked in the past about the completeness, if, if that's the right term of, of what Marvel did. Mm-hmm. Um, this, you know, and we'll be talking about the, uh, you know, season one of, of what went down with Mandalorian, but probably one of the more complete, you know, just seasons or, or just right now up to this point that the series as a whole, just, just very top to bottom solid, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like, and, and we'll go through that. Not a whole lot. Um, you know, we'll, we'll try to talk about some things that need to be improved upon, but. Um, for me, I was just really impressed how uh, they they took uh, what what could have been something that you know could have been done poorly uh, or, mm-hmm. or or maybe not in, in a very artistic manner and, and turned it into something that um, that really resonated uh, not just with old school fans like you and I who grew up with this, but with you know our children and with um, and, and even with you know older folk too. I mean my when we were out in the holidays um my, my mom watched it and you know she loved it it just had that kind of you know clint eastwood-esque you know sort of uh feel to it and she and yeah. she really she really dug it so it, it was very cool to kind of see how it just spanned um different ages and and just felt like i you know like i said just like a very solid and completely you know well thought through sort of story uh up, you know up up to what we've seen so far
3: yeah, and I mean, part of that goes back to our discussion with James discussing The Rise of Skywalker, and, and one of the things that he brought up that I, I probably tried to downplay, but it does make a lot of sense uh, when you really get into it, the idea of it being really out of one person's head. Yeah, yeah. If you look at this, I mean, they they essentially handed this to John Favreau and let him run with it, and he wrote six out of the eight episodes and uh did he direct any of these i didn't even notice um i'd have to go back and look i don't recall he did not he did not he didn't direct any of them but he he wrote six out of eight and this really was and i guess i i can't remember uh, i think it was kevin smith who talked about he had spoken with john favreau and asked him about a couple of things and it was all him like he they they really let him do a lot in this and you know what if if Jon Favreau doing like the live action Jungle Book and Lion King means that we get the Mandalorian, fine. Yeah, I'll I'll tolerate you pillaging my my childhood in order to bulk up another ep- area of my childhood, just as long as I can still go back and watch the original animated ones because I don't care about those others. Yeah, but yeah. if that's what it took for him to get get the Mandalorian and basically just let him go off and do what he wanted, I'm okay with that. Because it really did. It was so consistent—the tone, the pacing, the story—like it was, it was solid. It was of one piece.
2: Yeah. And 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 we'll get into this in in a little bit with with how we'll cover this. But you know, there there was the—I don't want to say failure, but 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 the the lack of interest in uh, you know solo. Um, there mm-hmm. were there were plans at one point to do a a solo like movie about Boba Fett, mm-hmm. uh, and and I believe at one point Obi Wan Kenobi and. And, and, you know, again, I think we talked about this in, in an earlier podcast, but about how smart of a decision it was for them rather than trying to force the stuff into the movie medium to make it a television show and mm-hmm. to not have to focus it on Boba Fett. I, I, I having now seen, you know, season one, I am actually glad this isn't centered on Boba Fett as a character. It's centered on someone who. You know, comes from that line of what he was, but it's a totally different character and a different story. And and I think it needed to be that. You know, and and it's very much for for me, uh, as we'll talk about, hitting on some points that I've always wanted to see out of that particular character. But even though it's not him specifically, it's it's a it's a different incarnation in some ways. Yeah, it's it's still hitting. You know, just just that that fantasy point of. You know, when, when, when fans first saw Boba Fett in Empire, I, I think what really resonated was, you know, trying to understand where, you know, where this guy came from, what what does he do, what are some of his journeys and adventures like, and seeing what that life is like. And we, we kind of got a little bit of it, um, or I shouldn't say a little bit of it, a, a good view of it uh, and as far as the stories that Favreau put forth and,
3: and, and how he wove that into
2: you know, just a longer term narrative that that's really, uh, you know, I'm interested to see how it plays out.
3: Yeah. And I think the I don't think the Boba Fett movie would have worked out as well, because I, I think that unfortunately and this is the thing, like as, as much as as people now look back and and, and want to say, oh, yeah, well, the reason why the OG trilogy was so great was because it was it was it, w- it was consistent and, and wonderful because it was all from George Lucas's mind. And OK, yeah, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll give you points on that. And, you know, you also had consistency across the prequel trilogy. It was consistently kind of meh. Yeah. I mean, hey, if that's what you want to call consistent, I would actually, in my case, I would rather have whatever the post trilogy, whatever the heck we're going to call the third trilogy now that is complete. I would rather have some ups and downs and some better moments Mm -hmm. consistently across the movies and have it be a little bit more scattered yeah. Just give yeah. me some good movies. Just like give me three good movies and I feel like those three movies are good in their own way mm-hmm. whereas the prequel trilogy is like hey it's consistent. Yeah. Yeah, it's consistently like I consistently do not watch them. <laughs> <laughs> I I am not going to go back and watch those movies. Yeah. whatsoever. I I don't care. Yeah. Um and so I think the consistency can kind of be overblown. However, in a case like this, having it be of one person, and and the one of the things that that George Lucas kind of blew in that is, he gave he I mean he jobbed out Boba Fett mm-hmm. in in Return of the Jedi, yeah. and you really saw that character is so like oh, well that sucks, and so now you're gonna you're gonna fit him in there, and then also I don't necessarily know if I trust taking that one character would be that interesting. Like what makes right. the Mandalorian interesting is this entire thing with, with Baby Yoda, yep. or, or whatever you want to call him, I mean, Baby the Yoda child. is just the, the child, is what makes it interesting, is how that child changes the Mandalorian. Without that, I don't know that I want to just watch a show about a bounty hunter. I mean, I kind of do, but is it really going to be interesting? Is it really going to go anywhere? I don't know. Such so a I've, large I've, reward
2: I've, for such a small package.
3: Oh. Uh, <laughs> You kind of went a little French there at the end. I don't know. You got to work on that. Oh, got to work on that.
2: Oh man. But so, anyway, so, so many classic li- well, and and one other thing I want to jump in real quick with is and yeah. what I just said kind of alluded to that. It's really interesting, you know, one thing that kind of stood out to me was like you said when when it's put into someone's hands and, and they and they're allowed to run with it. Mm-hmm. And seeing how and and we'll talk about this with a couple different characters, seeing how through the writing through the characters themselves, there were very unique things that were established during these episodes. You know, whether it is the character of Quill or whether it is the client, Warner Herzog's mm-hmm. character, and just, you know, just the lines that he spits out. I mean, it, it's, it, it really reminded me of the things that resonated with me when the original trilogy came out. You know, there, there, there were just these unique things that got established that just struck a chord with you you know and 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 you liked them and you know like like the first time i saw quill's character i mean it was a little annoying at first i wasn't quite sure what what to, what to make of it but mm-hmm. but it was just so uniquely done and and now it's just kind of like you know it's it's a thing i kind of joke with my with with my sons and and with my nieces and nephews about you know with with saying something to them being like i have spoken you know what i mean like yeah. like just something as simple as that line yeah and how it just turned into a thing where it's just you know, it just it resonates with you, and and you you just have like this character who just kind of now stands out and, and is this unique thing in the Star Wars universe. And you know, going back, um, I, I I forget if it was when we were talking about the MCU or or, or something like. I think we we're doing one of our entertainment grab bags. We we're talking about how really what the franchise needs is to start establishing stories that are not reliant on Skywalker. Yeah. You know, and and this was a fantastic example of doing that. It's, it's, and it doesn't have to be the Empire versus the Resistance or the Rebellion or whatever they are. It doesn't have to mm-hmm. be so galactical in scale. No, it's a big galaxy. It, absolutely. So start exploring stories in this big galaxy without turning it into the ultimate good versus evil sort of thing. And I, And I think in some ways that's why the TV medium fits it better because I think movies, unfortunately, at this stage... You can tell some contained stories and not have it be on that grand of a scale, but when you get into Star Wars, it's kind of yeah. hard not to go that way, you know but in a TV show of this format, you know we, we saw a great story told from episode one through eight, mm-hmm. uh, and there's more to tell but um but it wasn't so you know um you know ap- uh, apocalyptic, you know what I mean like it, it's it's not like the world you know the end of the world is on the line in episode eight, you know it's yeah. It's it's smaller. I, I don't mean to say it's smaller scale in terms of what's on the line, but it's not as uh, it, it's just it's it's just not the usual that that we've seen in the movie medium, and and I think yeah. that was very refreshing.
3: Yeah, and the, I think that's it's funny you mentioned uh, how th- there was a lot of things that kind of struck you as as tying to that the way you felt about the original trilogy. The funny thing is, for me, I liked this because. It reminded me of the feeling when I was watching Episode Seven, mm-hmm. because you know, think about it—that moment. And it's kind of easy to forget now because now we've gotten these three movies with with Ray and 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 Poe and you know Finn and all that. But before that, you went from OG trilogy to then the prequel trilogy, where everything is shiny and bright and all that stuff, and it's like, huh? Like this just doesn't make sense. Like I don't buy that these two things happen in the same universe. Yeah. Then as soon as episode seven came around, just the look of it, I was like, I completely buy this happened in the same same galaxy universe world where episodes four, five, and six happen. Instantly, the look of it, it feels like Star Wars. Yeah. Say whatever you want about you know acting characters or whatever it felt like star wars yeah. instantly mm-hmm. and i got that with this as soon as as soon as i was in it i'm like yep this is star wars i buy it yep 100% yep buy it and i think that was part of the problem with well there was a lot of problems with solo <laughs> but i think i think part of it was they didn't find a way to make you actually want to know more about han solo in an interesting enough way that what they told you, mm-hmm. it was more interesting not knowing. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing. That's always the danger when you have a character like that that is so iconic. It might just be better off, and the same thing with Boba Fett. Like, it, it might just be better off not knowing the background of that character. Yeah. It, yeah. It, and, and I think that's why, another reason why I think it's really cool that we got a new Mandalorian Mm-hmm. And 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 got some different stories because we're still figuring out his backstory as well. Like we get pieces of it here and there. Yeah. Um. And that was one of the things rewatching the first couple episodes this afternoon with some friends that I was like, oh, you really don't get a full picture of this for quite a while. You get yes. hints of it, you yeah. know, which is good. Uh, it actually makes you want to learn more about it instead of like, hey, we're just gonna f- like force punch you, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> With this. Well,
2: and 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 you don't feel like you need to know it, you know, like like what. You know, you just mentioned with Solo, I I question if Solo would have been better suited for a TV medium where you have time to do world building, Mm -hmm. where you have time to explore and understand the motivations of the characters. I mean, when you think about what they tried to do with Solo, it was in some ways doomed to failure, because first of all, it's not really a story I felt I really needed to hear about. I mean, Mm -hmm. you, you know, young Han Solo is okay, interesting, but I mean, I'm not really chomping at the bit. But when you get into it, all the new characters, all the different, you know, kind of tones they were trying to hit with him and I'm, you know, I don't remember the, 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 the primary female in it. But, you know, the, the way they were trying to weave it, like he had some sort of like, you know, kind of relationship with her and stuff. I mean, you can't establish that in, a, in an hour and a half movie. You know what I mean? It's, it's really hard to bring a lot of characters in and try to get that sorted out. Um, I, yeah. I know so. Some... Well,
3: and you're overcoming the fact that people just didn't want to see someone else playing Han Solo. Right. Right. They just didn't. No. no. I mean, Harrison Ford is Han Solo. Yep. No one wanted to see that part recast. No one did. Just like we don't want to get young Luke Skywalker. At right. least I don't
2: No, But 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 in, in movies, you can accomplish that when that is kind of the goal of the story. But but with Solo, it, it was fighting against itself because. You know, at the end of the day, these are Star Wars fans, so they want to see the space battles. They want to see, you know, Han Solo doing smuggler things and, and, you know, hitting these notes where he's, you know, getting the Falcon and doing this and that. And it was almost like too much fan service in a way. You know, I mean, like all of the things that you associate with Han Solo happened in the course of that movie, which Mm -hmm. was a little hard to take, you know. But if you did it as a TV show, I wonder if it just would have if it would have translated better. In the same way that, like, The Mandalorian has, where it, it, it's had a very, very focused story, you know, a lot of world building going on, a lot of, you know, kind of slow burn, working toward, you know, crescendoing at different moments. And when it does crescendo, I mean, you, it's very much earned, um, yeah. which, which again, lends itself to the completeness I was talking about.
3: I honestly, I think that movie, I, and speaking of solo, and listen, I, I, I don't want to drag this out too much more, but I I... I was more. I would have been more interested to get a movie about Woody Harrelson's character. I think that you could have done almost everything that you were trying to do with Solo. Yeah. With that character, and I think it would have worked.
0: Yeah. Oh
3: yeah. I would have. I would have watched that, or or as a TV show. I think that has to be the TV show. Yeah. Because I think again, part of the success of the Mandalorian is, hey, here's a character kind of like a character you know, but it's a fresh. It's a fresh slate. We're not. We're not trying to recast it. We're not trying to mess around in their backstory here is something that is kind of like something that you wanted but now that has freed us from having to deal with a lot of the baggage and shoehorn it in here and there and oh of course we have to show the millennium falcon making the kessel run and blah 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 right and of course lando has to be in it because of course he does (laughs) i think once you take it away from that you can tell a heist movie yeah you you know because that's what they did with rogue one yeah it's it's a it's a it's a it's a wartime heist movie Mm -hmm. and it worked brilliantly yeah Um, because and you still had some of those characters like what you saw in the original trilogy that people loved and i think that's why it was free from all of that even though you had some of those archetypes of characters to play with yeah i think if they had taken solo and said yeah let's not make this solo let's Let's make it a show. Or even if you made it a movie and you had it about that other smuggler, smuggler character, the thief, whatever Woody Harrelson's character was named. I think that would have been much more interesting. And I think you could have actually had something that was decent and it would have actually expanded the world instead of like, hey, we already kind of had the outline of this. Now you've colored it all in. So now there's no room for me me to imagine anything anymore.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
3: But I agree. I agree. we, We we've now beaten that one in the ground but it does save us from having to do a solo podcast yeah there we go which thank god for that (laughs) because i don't know if i have that much whiskey yeah uh so uh you have been generous enough to uh to put together the outline for this one sir so why don't you walk us through this guide guide me through if you would wait a minute am i getting executive producer credits on this episode (laughs) yes you are because quite honestly i've been I've been hither and yon, so you are you are the one who uh, actually knows what's going on here. So all right, well you, you are you are in, Mr. Sulu, you have the con.
2: Oh, well, 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 thank you. Why yes.
3: Um, oh my! <laughs> oh my! <laughs> what a catchphrase, man! Dude, what a catchphrase! Made a career works on that. It. He's made a career oh, yeah. on it. So the, the, here- the best part is, so we we're watching. Uh, oh God, what's it called? It is like one of the. uh, It's a movie that my daughter just was into for so long, and it's all it's the animated. It's an animated movie. It's about the. It's about turkeys and Thanksgiving and all that. Mm -hmm. uh, Oh my gosh, it's gonna bug me. I'll try to find it and put it in the show notes. But Woody Harrelson, oddly enough, is one of the main characters, and and uh, George Takei plays the the voice of like this time traveling thing, and at one point he does the. Oh my. And I'm just like <laughs> Of course he has to. Of course he has to. Because everyone's waiting the whole movie like do it. Do it. Do it.
2: Anyways. Oh man. Well Yeah. So you know, in in the interest of trying not to treat this recap like our our Battlestar recaps where we go deep and uh we're we're edging into like four AM by the time we're done. Um yeah. I figured we would cover uh Sarah, what were your top three moments from season one? If, if you could right. boil it down to three solid moments, what would those three be?
3: Well, I don't know if – well, so I've got two, and then I've got one that's oh, – I'm cheating a little bit, but it's all right. Well, uh, I, I ended, we ended up coming up with,
2: like, one that has two parts, and then I have a special mention section, so I'm not even honoring the rules. But anyways, go ahead, please.
3: I did notice there's a semicolon in one of yours. I'm like, oh, that's just – if I'm remembering Kurt Vonnegut, uh, that's basically just uh, showing that you know how to write that, that, too fancy. That's cheating. <laughs> that there's a paddling um so <laughs> my uh my top three uh first of all i i, I love this the biker scouts oh uh, my gosh that exchange was phenomenal just and the fact that they're shooting the thing that's like six feet away and neither one of them can hit it i loved that and it, because first of all it was like i was i was trying to figure out for a moment i was like is Kevin Smith voicing one of these characters? Because it sounds like total clerk's character <laughs> like dialogue, first of all. And second of all, just the fact that they, they can't hit the thing that's like right there in front of them, and they yeah. keep on looking at their guns like, oh, must be a must be a malfunction. I just love that, and I think it illustrates, uh, because it, it really shows how much Favreau loves the material and how much he cares about it, uh, and, and what he can do with it, and skillfully utilize that and and throw a joke in there, mm-hmm. but also do it in a way that is is not so over the top and hitting you over the head with it. But it's just, it's very well done, very deftly done. Well,
2: and and it, they're doing it in a moment, like when I first saw it, I it really threw me because it's in this moment where they've kidnapped the child, Baby Yoda. Mm-hmm. And so we're kind of in the middle of a serious thing going on. And then it just devolves into this really well- well done, just, co- you know, comedy relief. I mean, I love the yeah. fact that after shooting at whatever they were shooting at and missing, even though they are like two feet away from it, they're shaking their guns next to their heads. They sound like spray paint cans.
3: <laughs> yes. Well, it's it's a great way of, of, of letting the pressure off just a little bit. Yes. So the audience gets a little bit of a breather. And I think that's good because it doesn't desensitize the audience. Yeah. You, don't, you don't have the adrenaline just going the entire time. So you just eventually get burned out. It gives you a moment to be like, Oh yeah. That's funny. Like yeah, of course they can't shoot straight. Yeah. Um which I again, I contend that's one of the things that Star Wars fans were so pissed off with JJ about is like the stormtroopers coming out of those troop ships in episode 7 and, and they're hitting things. Yeah. Wait a minute. This isn't Star Wars. This is the Star Wars I grew up with. No. No. No Stormtroopers don't actually hit anything. Anyways, but 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 the back and forth, yeah. The fact that <laughs>
2: You know, the one guy wants to see the uh, what, what's what, what's in the package, mm. and and the other guy's just like, no, knock it off, and and all the stuff going on with Moff Gideon and him him shooting members of his own party. I mean, it was just it just played out like, you know, as as fans of of this franchise, it's like, yes, this is the Empire right there.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, how did how did you guys get in control? Uh, which again, and and another one of my faves. Was the intro of Moff Gideon. Now, the thing is, I don't understand how ranks work in the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. I don't know what a Moff is. I don't know what that means. I mean, it seems like in the Rebellion, they kind of play fast and loose with promotions because, you know, like Han Solo has been around for like five seconds and he's a general somehow. Yeah. Everyone becomes a general except for freaking Chewy. Like, Chewy is like, you know, second lieutenant. Everybody else they, they show up and they're a general. <laughs> I think I know why Chewie wants to rip people's arms off when he's playing the little chess game. Like he's just pissed off. He hasn't, you know, he didn't get a medal first of all. Yep. And then, you know, he everyone else is getting passed he's getting passed over for promotion. I think it's dis- I think it's wookiee discrimination is the major theme in Star Wars. That's that's just me, but you know, I'll have a blog post about it at some point. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, but I don't understand what a moth is, but dude his intro, just the, the TIE fighter coming down oh, yeah. and the way it landed and everything. Mm-hmm. And just, oh, uh, I mean, oh, my good Lord. Giancarlo Esposito, Esquire, badass. I mean, just <laughs> good Lord. And and a suave, put-together-looking dude. I mean, just in mm-hmm. every single role he is in, I'm just like, Damn! I just one of these days. I hope I aspire to be that smooth of a human being. Yeah, it's probably never gonna happen, you know. But oh my gosh, he's he's fantastic. But his intro and then the whole shootout scene at the cantina was amazing. I love that entire sequence. Mm-hmm. And then number three, this is the this is the one I cheated on. Basically, any scene with Werner Herzog because <laughs> it's so over the top. And oh he's honestly likely just completely crazy in real life as well. I don't know that much about him. I know a little bit. But, man, he his character is awesome. I, I just love that character.
2: I mean, I, I, I won't try to do it in, in the accent because I might go full French taunter if I do it. But, but
3: <laughs> you were very much Monty Python. Like, we already
2: got one. It's very nice. <laughs> I, I have thoughts in your general direction. <laughs> sort of thing. But. When he says, I think it was in the Reckoning when they when they finally show up. Or no, yeah, yeah, I think it was the Reckoning when he when he finally shows uh, when grief shows up with the Mandalorian in cuffs. Mm-hmm. And his first thing is, you know, asking him if he would like to have a libation. Mm-hmm. Uh, how how did he put it? To celebrate the closure of our shared narrative. <laughs> yes. I mean oh. that writing I mean th- that's what I'm talking about it's just like at least this guy was consistent in just the over the top wordiness you know yes. big use it, of uh, use of big words use of just you know like like at, at one point he says to the mandalorian i think it was in like episode 3 i think it was yeah when he brought the child back you know it's like your reputation uh, is is uh, not without merit yes i'm like what does that even mean
3: <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean, it is the it is the and that is, again is Favreau is just this loving, you know, this loving care of of the stiltedness of the dialogue and 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 putting it, seeding it throughout, like not all the way. Like there's a lot of great dialogue, but in some ways, just like, hey, you know what? You remember like. All the crazy stuff that George Lucas had people say that we have to now pretend like oh yeah it was fine no it isn't it <laughs> was horrible dialogue horrible and even even you listen to I think it was Carrie Fisher was like you know I used to say you could you can write this stuff but you can't say it right you know right it, 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 just being able to throw that in there you know there's so many little Easter eggs and I always look at that as one of them like. Like Herzog's dialogue was always that Easter egg of going back and like, oh yeah, yeah. I remember episode four dialogue.
2: <laughs> I mean, he he almost reminded me in some ways. I, I don't remember the name of the character, but in the very first, uh, so in Raiders of the Lost Ark, mm. do you remember the guy who he, he wore the round glasses and he wore like yes. the dark hat? Yes, I can't oh, oh I can't gosh. remember his name.
3: I will find it. But Werner
2: Herzog, the way he talked, yes. as as the client. So reminded me of that character, just this slimy, smarmy sort of, you know, you, you knew he had bad intentions. You
3: know, you you, you knew he knew Michael Hayes because he was
2: from Bad Street, USA. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah.
3: Oh, yeah. Yes, Fraulein. And that like, oh, the panting laugh was just, uh, it was yes. so freaking creepy so so creepy so that Uh. that
2: that i i totally i agree with you he he was just he was one aspect like i said there are these unique things that kind of played out throughout the season and and he was one of them you know he he was very unique and you know even now you you just you you quote these lines because they they just make you laugh because of how ridiculous they sound yeah. But but in the context of the show, I mean you you just it just fits the character, you know, and so yeah, it, uh, I totally get that that's yeah, de- de- so definitely
3: a highlight. that was taught. that that was the character's name. Ronald Lacey was the actor.
2: okay, okay.
3: but yeah, that was I mean fan I, and I can see where you would where you would get those because there was so many times when it was just this uh, in uh, like an oddly sort of threatening thing like I remember in Raiders when he comes into the tent and uh karen allen and and whoever the other dude is there and uh oh uh balok Mm -hmm. balok whatever whatever however you pronounce it i'm staring right at the imdb page and i was like oh yeah i'm just gonna pull this out of my butt um (laughs) why not just look at the page but when when he walks in and he and he pulls out that thing on the chain and it turns out it's a coat hanger Mm mm-hmm. It's the same sort of thing with Herzog. Like, it's just so over the top. But then you're like, oh man, something's bad's gonna happen. And then it really doesn't. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's always oh, it phenomenal. Oh, oh like I loved it. Incredible. I Loved it every time he was on the screen. I'm like, oh, <laughs> we're gonna get one here. We're gonna get one here. Come on, come on. What about it. you? What were your What were your three favorite moments?
2: So, two of the three play to what i talked about before where as a you know as a kid when i saw boba fett you you know there's an aspect of you you know using your imagination as a kid to think where where did this character come from what has his journey been what adventures has he been on and Mm -hmm. and 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 what does it mean to be this bounty hunter that he is and so for me the first one top for me uh was from uh, uh episode three the sin when the mandalorian busts the child out of the safe house Mm, that mm-hmm. is, and and you know, I, I watched all these episodes with 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 my family. So to see it with my boys, I, I said to my boys after that episode, the first time we saw it, I'm like, "That is exactly what I had been wanting to see from a Boba Fett character for I don't know how long." The whole yeah. the whole way he cases the place out, uses his technology to kind of get a plan. The way he goes in, takes out you know the stormtroopers. I mean, he's he's quiet. He's He's just playing the role of that, of that bounty hunter, who just knows how to go and get get what he, you know, get the package that he needs to get and get out, and mm-hmm. doing it in this very stealthy ninja-like way, using all of the tools at his disposal, um, mm-hmm. using this. <laughs> wasn't this the one where he had? The, what Was it called the whispering something or other? The oh, it was uh,
3: whistling birds. The, the
2: whistling birds. <laughs> I You knew as soon as he laid the child down and, and he got on his knees, oh, you're yeah. like, oh, the whistling birds are coming out. Here we go. Yep. <laughs> Surrounded by five stormtroopers, and they're gone in a moment. Um, mm-hmm. j- just just using all of his skill and his tools and his weaponry was just, uh, just so awesome. Just so, so awesome and so well done the way they did it. I mean, fil- yeah. the way they filmed it, the way it just played out. It was just uh, just phenomenal. Well, so for
3: me, that that was tops. Um, it was and it was good because it was kind of the, like the most tactical that you've seen. Yes, that, that's in any a, that's Star a great Wars term. Tactical.
2: Yes, tactical.
3: And and you know, we don't you don't see a lot of that in Star Wars movies. Like it's always like somebody like hides behind something. And you're like, why in the hell don't they just go check behind the tree? Right. You know, there's something stupid where you're like, this it makes a stormtrooper seem so dumb. And yeah, and they didn't really in that. In that, I mean, the, the stormtroopers, I love, number one, that the stormtroopers are all, like, their armor is all beaten up and dirty. and like, Oh, yeah. These are, these are guys who are just, like, surviving. Yep. And, and obviously kind of hardened a little bit. And yep. they, don't, they don't just get taken out immediately. Like, they, there is a little bit of a fight, and, and it just kind of shows how good the Mandalorian is, mm-hmm. not how bad the stormtroopers are. Yeah. I like that. I thought that was awesome.
2: Yeah, so 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 that was fantastic. Um, and then I kind of have like with it because it's from the mm-hmm. same episode. Later on in the episode, he has to get the child out of the city, and he's making his way to his ship, and yep. that, that's when the bounty hunter guild basically surrounds him because now now that the child has been taken, the tracker has been kicked on. Everyone's looking for him.
3: Yeah, and, which and is which is such a great moment. Like in the in the cantina when all of a sudden oh. one tracker goes off, then they all start going off. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's such like a John Wick, you know, yep. has been uh, excommunicated sort of moment. Oh, it was great. Oh, it was it was,
2: it was fantastic. And then, yeah, and, and and just, you know, and again, it's it's the little things, like these things couldn't, you, you know, you talked about the way the, the, when he busted the child out, how tactical he was. You know, those are the details, I think, that end up getting missed or lost in the movie format. You know what I mean mm. like like you have time you you have the pacing and time to explore these sorts of things and, and let these things play out and and it was so neat to see as they're revealing you know his backstory with the with the Mandalorians as a whole you know starting to understand that they're a little bit more than you know I think a lot of people came into this thinking it was a race. And yes. and, and this episode really started to bring out this idea of this is the way. You know and mm. and 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 there's there's something to what they're doing where it's almost like like uh like a creed of sorts you know yeah
3: and now so you see just saying creed because carl weathers is in this you got to do
2: that line that creed does
3: apollo creed versus the italian <laughs> It
2: sounds like a
3: damn monster movie
2: i love it i love it oh that's fantastic <laughs> that's
3: thank you thank you it was, it was either that or a line from action jackson but i can't remember <laughs> I. oh my gosh I, I, need,
2: I totally forgot about that movie
3: I've got to go down and see if I can find that used somewhere for like $1.99. I, I, Lord. That, I remember it being like horrible and yet awesome all at the same time. But yeah, so seeing um, to, you know seeing Grief
2: Karga, who is Carl Weathers' character, and, and the rest of the bounty hunters surround him, the shootout that happens, and then totally unexpected. I mean, the very first time I saw this episode, this just blew me away. You just see the swarm of Mandalorians come mm. down. And just come to this guy's rescue, and, and and you've got him with all sorts of different weapons. You had one guy who had, like like you remember in Predator that that helicopter yes. machine gun that 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 uh, that one. Jesse
3: act, Ventura had. He had the Gatling gun. The, yeah, the
2: Gatling gun. That one of the Mandalorians flies down holding one of those and just is mowing yeah. people, you know, just mowing guys down. It was
3: just incredible. Now you know who that was. No, who was it? That was John Favreau. Was that really? That was ju- it. Was voiced by Jon Favreau. I don't know oh. if they quite squeezed him into that, into <laughs> that Mandalorian armor. Uh. I don't know. I mean, that is one of the bigger Mandalorians, but yeah, I yeah. don't know. I I think he might have just been like, you know what? I'll just do the voice. It's okay. Yeah. You know, I don't need to suit up. Oh, that's uh, funny. That's. Funny. But yeah, that was that was voiced by Jon Favreau. Nice, nice. If I if I have it right, but I after watching it again today, oh, I didn't realize. I'm that. like ninety eight percent sure. But, yeah, that was amazing. Like, that's one of those moments where it is, like, all hope is kind of lost. And even though you know something is going to happen, it still just makes you just, like, almost want to jump off the couch and cheer sort of moments, you know? Yeah, It's like when they they get you. Even though you know it's coming, they get you.
2: Oh, yeah. And and it was so neat because, I mean, it wasn't – this is probably not the right comparison, so I'll say it was a – a, a microcosm, a mini version of this, but it very much felt like that—that—that that, that Avengers Endgame bull rush. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, like it—it it just came out of nowhere, and yeah. but, it yet, was, but yet it was it made, kind
3: of like the on the left moment. Yes, yeah.
2: it, it. But it made so much sense, you know. And and and, and I love the little pay, the the attention to detail they pay because as he's trying to flee with the child, he says to the one Mandalorian who's covering for him, he's like, you know, he's worried about the covert. Yeah. You know, like, like like he's like the covert's got to move. And he's like, you know, this is the way go, <laughs> you know. And, yes. And, and and you know what?
3: This is something this is something good to talk about, because, again, with that on the left moment, this is what we talked about in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Like all the ships showing up, how they didn't earn that moment. Yep. They earned it in this. Like, oh, yeah, it, it made sense from an emotional and storyline perspective and you got the fact of how important it is and that thing you just pointed out there like they're gonna have you're gonna have to move like they're yeah. gonna be out after you and and just that not even like and these were if and you, if you remember a couple episodes before that 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 particular Mandalorian uh, John Favreau's you know voice or whatever the big dude yep, he, that was that was the one who was like these are uh, the saw the the Beskar that had the Imperial stamp on it and like this was from this and they're the one that He's the one that gets into a fight yeah. with a Mandalorian, like knives out sort of thing. Yep. And here he is, like, without hesitation, this is the way. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like this is this is what we do. And here's the crazy and part. It's the, earned. This,
2: yeah, it's earned, but it's the third episode of the series.
3: Yeah. That that is incredibly efficient and effective storytelling. Well, and it goes back to something that we kinda I I, I think we talked about a little bit, we really didn't focus on and it's such a huge part of this and why this works as a TV show. The pacing. Mm-hmm. The pacing is, it's actually really slow. And I, like we had mentioned before when we, before we started recording, Mark Bernardin, who had, uh, when the first episode came out, he didn't, he thought it was slow. He didn't, he wasn't a big fan because he thought it was too slow. And then afterwards he's like, oh, I kind of get it now. Yeah. You realize that it's pacing. It's a Western. It's going gonna, it's gonna to move real slow and take its time because there's not really any cutaways. They're not cutting away from the Mandalorian at all. Like It's all about what he is going through. It's a very first-person story. I got to say, my,
2: my, my father fell asleep during the first episode and woke up and literally said, all this guy does is walk around. <laughs> They're like, yeah, a lot of stuff happened in between those walks though. you missed. <laughs>
3: Don't have him watch Lord of the Rings. <laughs> oh, good lord! <laughs> he's he's not going to enjoy it. Oh, so uh, so my second. Uh, you, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, that's right. No, I was going to say yeah, you you were on either the second or third. I couldn't remember.
2: Uh, well, I, th- that was part uh, part two of of, of number one. Um, so now we'll move on to number two, which only has one part. Uh, oh, good. Fr- from the prisoner, which was uh, you know kind of an interesting episode. It, 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 you know, if if the sin was about. Uh, him doing a tactical sort of uh, ambush on that safe house. This was him working, you know, and, 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 and again, it's something I've always I'd always wanted to see out of, you know, just this universe was seeing a bounty hunter working with a group of other bounty hunters or thieves or whatever to carry out some kind of mission. You know, yeah. And and here, you know, the the crew he's with is is very much, you know, antagonistic toward him. And so uh, there comes a point during the episode where he starts to they, – they turn on him, put him into, in, into a cell. They're, they're basically trying to bust a, prison out of, a prisoner out of a, a prison ship, put him in yeah. a cell, and then he gets out and starts kind of doling out justice, let's say, to yeah. the remaining mercenary crew. And the way they film this, the way mm-hmm. he approaches every single one of these characters was just so cool. I mean, he, he, he has a real struggle with, with the big guy. You know, I, I, I forget his name. He, he has, like, the mm-hmm. devil horns and is, yeah. and is apparently invincible or something like that. But, um, you know, he, he has a struggle with him, which makes sense. But then there's that one scene where I think he's sneaking up on um, on, on the humanoid who has... Uh, he, he has, like, that extra, like, electronic arm for, you know, that shoots. Um, yeah. Ben Ben Burr is the actor, I think, who is playing... Bill Burr. Oh, Bill Burr. Yeah, it's, yeah comedian. And that scene where... It's Which dark. is nice
3: to know that the, the, the Boston accent survives into space. That's it's hey, good to know that, that transcends galaxies. Southie's
2: gotta represent, you know, smartpak. <laughs> yeah, smartpak. <back>. That guy <laughs> don't have no driver. Sorry, you bigness. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. But um Anywho but, but but that whole scene where there's a hallway where it's flickering lights and you yeah. see Every time the lights flicker, you see the Mandalorian approaching closer and closer and closer. Mm-hmm. I mean, just everything about the way he goes and dismantles this crew was, you know, again, it's it's just that tactical, you know, ninja-like, you know, secret agent sort of feel to it. The the, the just yeah. feel and it feels original because it's in the confines of this universe um, where where technology is 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 so you know you know so so a part of, of everyone's life in this galaxy. So it, it was just yeah. so neat to kind of see the way that that happened and, and, and just the way that played out. And then the third one um, interestingly enough was, was the ending of reckoning, which is Quill's death. Yeah. Um, that was hard to watch. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed how Favreau took the, the race uh, called Ugnaughts, which were introduced in empire um, really didn't, they, they didn't speak at all. They actually were, were very much like, you know, short people uh, with, with pig faces, basically. But, but their, their race is very technically savvy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that plays to what Quill's character was. He was very good at rebuilding uh, the Mandalorian ship. He was very good at, at reconstituting, you know, IG-11. And, 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 and what I love so much about his character was how, especially with him and the Mandalorian, was how honor w- played out between the two of them. That, that, that there yeah. was just this code of honor... That you know the Mandalorian was, he was trying to repay him with thanks and gratitude and with something, and you know Quill you know, wouldn't accept it because uh, it, it was thanks enough that you know he kind of brought some quiet to his land. Yeah. Um, but for Quill to come on this mission with him and to try to get the child back to the ship, and as soon as the biker g- scouts take off, you know who's going to lose this race, yeah. because there's no oh. way on, on the mount that Quill's going to make it to the ship. Yeah. Um, and just the way that episode ended where you just see him laying there, um, yes. this this character who earned his freedom, um, mm-hmm. but so, you know, valued honor and, 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 you know, clearly saw the value of that with with this character of the Mandalorian to s- help him, you know, try to do something honorable to, to save this child was was really, you know, you talk about those earned moments in the show. I, I just felt that was one of those times where. The slow burn of, of telling the story of the relationship between the Mandalorian and Quill, even though it culminates with his death, it's one of those honorable sort of deaths where, where you, you, you just kind of are like, oh, you know, it's kind, of, it's kind of like a gut punch, you know?
3: Well, yeah, and we talked about this I- with Battlestar Galactica, where, where things will happen to a character, and they have put so much time and effort yeah. into shaping that character. And into giving them a story, into giving them texture, and 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 all of that—that that something happens to that character, you feel it, because they've they've earned a certain degree of emotional cachet with that character that they can they can hit you with something that really just knocks you through a loop. Yeah. And they did that with that character, like you, and and in a very efficient way. He, that character was not on screen. As much as some of some of the other characters throughout, but no. they did they did so well crafting that character. And and damn, I mean, Nick Nolte did a great job voice acting this as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, just a fantastic job. And that and that's definitely part of it. Is you really get a lot out of his out of his voice out of his voice performance in this?
2: Oh yeah, um, yeah. And 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 to have that that iconic line now, you know, uh-huh. I, I I have spoken. I mean, it started out as being the sort of like weird thing that he would say after Mm -hmm. speaking a few lines. But then over time, like, like, like you said, I mean, he was in part of episode one, he was in a lot of episode two. And then you really don't see him, I think, until this episode Mm. uh, seven, where, where the Mandalorian goes back and asks for his help. Mm -hmm. And, and that's where you see that, that relationship play out where he, he sees, you know, what the Mandalorians needs are, and he's willing to help this person because he sees that he's on a on on a just and sincere mission to, mm-hmm. to help this child. And so, yeah, just all all aspects of his character, and I guess we're kind of jumping into the next section a little bit by, by going through this, but just all aspects of that Quill character were just fantastic. The, the 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 fact they get you know that Favreau thought enough to give a voice to this race that we had never seen or, or never heard a voice for. Um, And to have him play such a crucial role in different aspects of the Mandalorian's journey during the season. Um, And then just that iconic line of, you know, I have spoken was just, you know, fantastic.
3: Yeah. And these are the things, again, that this is why this is so well suited to a a, a TV show, even if it's eight episodes, which, again, it's it's not like back in the day you're getting like Star Trek, the next generation. It was like, what, 18, 20 episodes in a season. You're not getting like rapid fire but you're getting eight quality episodes mm-hmm. that give you the time to explore these characters because if this was a movie that character doesn't get nearly the screen time cuz you got to keep the Mandalorian on the screen you got to keep going and you got to keep going to this one singular thing you don't have time for all these little side tracks. right like so much of this would have been just like chucked right out the window yeah and yet it's all the texture that makes it work you know this mm-hmm. is this this kind of a story and and create and this is the thing that they need to do and when they I mean Star Wars Lucasfilm uh, needs to do if they really want to continue making movies you need to fill out the the edges of these care of, of, of the galaxy yes oh It yeah. can't always be about the Skywalkers and the Solos and all of that you need to have some other spots that you can go yeah oh, and yeah. this is doing it so freaking well
2: to 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 the point that when he dies i mean it it, it that the end of that episode and it, it was a gut punch
3: yeah totally even though like you said you knew it was coming you oh yeah knew it but you were hoping you were hoping for one of those like the mandalorians you know coming to the rescue yep yeah you were hoping for something yeah you and, know, you're hoping that ig11 was going to be able to to show up and and it's going to be like this false like oh phew, they saved him yeah and they didn't they didn't back away from that
2: nope no they they ran with it and, and and i think that was the other reason like when you mentioned the biker scout you know exchange i think because we had watched uh seven and eight back to back and so you watch the end of seven where he dies and then you watch the beginning of eight where it has that comic relief and i think that was the other reason why that comic relief didn't play right for me the first time because it's like i'm still i was still kind of reeling mm. from that character's death you know it's like yeah it's kind of hard to transition from oh. It, really stinks to see this character go to, yeah. th- to, to then see these two clowns, you know, <laughs> monkey in on, on the, you know, po- you know, punching poor baby Yoda and then taking shots at the stupid thing, you know. So it was like, well, but and that's but, why I think on second it, viewing, it, it, it made sense. So.
3: That's why I think that two of my favorite things TV wise would be Watchmen and, and this and both. It's no accident. Both of them were released one episode at a time. Yeah. Old school. You know, you don't get to binge the whole thing. We don't want you to binge the whole thing. Yep. We want you to watch one episode and then think about it. Mm-hmm. Let it process. Let it sit and stew in your mind. And then the next episode comes along. You had to, It's it's giving you time to breathe from the emotionality of it, to think things over. Yeah, I could totally see how that would be a real jarring thing to go from seven to eight. Yep. Right away. Yeah. yeah. You know, the first time to- first time seeing it, you know. Yeah. So we already kind of ventured into this, but you have next up uh, our top three characters. So let's hear yours because uh, I think we've already explored at least one of them.
2: Yeah. So uh, and and I put in parentheses for this, setting aside the Mandalorian. <laughs> well, yeah, because <laughs> for obvious reasons. But um, we've already talked. I mean, my my number one, um, setting aside Mandalorian was was Quill, and and we already talked about why. You know, I I, mm-hmm. I don't need to rehash all that. I I think that that was a character, like you said that was just very well done. And, and again, it's one of those cases, like you said, where it's not like they spent half the season in exposition on him. You know I mean? It was, it was mm-hmm. a couple very effective and focused episodes. And so I think that focus really kind of brought the value for that character and made, made his end that, that much, you know, harder to kind of say, you know, to accept uh, in, in the reality of the show. Um, um, the second one was grief, Karga Carl, Carl Weathers, uh, who, who plays the head of the, bounty hunter guild um he kind of channels a little bit of the warner herzog uh uh funny line award uh you, you know kind, kind of a goofy line mentality that kind of goes on there he, he has some uh interesting lines that he uh goes on about he's big on talking about the mandalorian's guild rates which i don't quite understand what that means but uh yeah <laughs> i just love after he's uh flying around the jetpack he's like well, Mando, your guild rates have gone up. And I'm like Yeah. He he just blew up a TIE fighter and that's what when...
3: <laughs> Yeah. Oh man. It, it, yeah, his his character is is oh man, just awesome. Just all the way around. He's, he... And and the fact that it's Carl Weathers just makes me go like, yeah, yeah, this totally works. Well and and, and he's
2: not um he carries kind of that Lando Calrissian... Uh, mm-hmm. aspect to his character where you don't really know what side he's on mm-hmm. you know what i mean and, and even at the end of the season we don't really know what side he's on you know and and, it, and i think one of the things they did a really nice job of portraying in this bounty hunter lifestyle is that there is there's a code but then these guys can flip on each other on on a moment's notice and yeah you know in episode three he and the other bounty hunters wanted to take him down take the mandalorian down because the kid the the child was was uh, on again as as a package to get and Mm -hmm. um but then you know he he gets healed in episode seven by it and then um you know he he has a change of heart but but again i i I don't know if i fully trust the character and and i like that does he right right
3: yeah. And that's and that's a great th- I mean, and it makes sense because bounty hunters, there's going to be a certain degree of honor among thieves. Yeah. But really? Really? Yeah. And I, I think he he does. He's been walking that line. And you're right. that It's total Lando th- sort of thing where you're you're always wondering just a little bit. Yeah. You know, and I think they've they've taken that the next step because with this character, I think you really don't know. Yeah, I think you really do not know.
2: Well, and, and there's a point with him in episode three that was kind of interesting. When after, basically after the Mandalorian cashes in the Beskar, and and he walks into the bar and he's like completely like shiny, fresh armor looking sort of thing, mm-hmm. and everyone's looking at him. And and he, and you know, grief Karga sitting there. He's like, "Come on over here, my old friend. Everyone hates you." <laughs> You yes. know, he, he's just, like, going on about, hey, you're my most valuable, you know, bounty hunter. And he's, like, looking around, like, making sure everyone hears what he's saying. And I'm like, are you trying to get him shot or something? <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. Like, it's like he's just, like, trying to, like, you know, stoke the fire of these of these bounty hunters who apparently are not very thrilled that they didn't get the prize, and he did. Um, yeah. So, it's, it's, you know, again, it's just... It's kind of the, the, the weird nuances with his character. But, um, but yeah, yeah, ha- having that... Uh, I don't think I articulated it very clearly earlier, but just, the, you know, the fact he has some of those goofy lines, you know, and, and just, you, you know, again, it's it's one of those things about the uniqueness of the show. It's like the the lines they say are goofy, but it fits within the context of the universe. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and it fits within the context of the story. And it's nice to have characters like that. I think if you didn't have that, everyone would be very bland, you know, and it'd be the same. Yeah. So you have the Mandalorian, who's a very straight character, you know, very straight edge and just, you know, all business. And then you have Grief Karga, you know, who just is he, he's a little goofy, you know. Um, yep. And and yeah, I mean, I think his um, and especially it's funny kind of toward toward the end of the season, <laughs> you know, especially in Redemption, where the TIE fighters, you know, Moff Gideon's flying, you know, bearing down on them. And he's like, you know, yelling at the child, like, you know, do do the wavy hand thing, do the wavy hand thing. <laughs> and, and he's just like waving at him. And it's like, <laughs> yep. I mean, it, it was just such a fun, you know, kind of turn for his character, but it didn't feel like so out of place. So Grief Carker's is another one of them. And then finally, you, you know, we, we've talked a bit about the client, uh, Ver, Werner Horzog and, and just the, yeah. the, the, the iconic, you know, lines, the smarminess, the sliminess of his character, and just how he just does a great way uh, portraying. You know, just you know that older imperial mindset. One thing I do just real quickly want to say about his character, though, I did really like the exchange he had with Grief Karga in in Episode Seven, The Reckoning, when they're after the libation line, where he's sitting there and he's asking him, he's like, "The Empire made everything better," and he's like, "How how good is life right now after the revolution? You know, is mm. is, is there less death now than there was before? Is there less?" You know, I mean, there were some very interesting aspects of what his character was saying, where all along we've been on the side of the resistance and the rebellion. And you have to look at that situation and, and that town, for example, and say, did the rebellion make life better? Yeah. You know, I mean, certainly the empire was the empire and it wasn't like they were without fault or without issue or, or evil in, in what they were doing. But it was very interesting the way that that exchange happened where he he questions grief on how much better is life now that the revolution happened, you know, sort of thing. I found very interesting.
3: Yeah. And this is and this is the thing that, quite honestly, Star Wars fans have not been a huge fan of in the movies when they try to bring this in uh, of of kind of that idea of like, well, how is this really playing out instead of just good, bad? Yeah. Uh, You know, what about what about the arms dealers? Who's who's building all these ships for people who's supplying the I mean, yeah. the, the rebellion isn't building ships. And is the you know, is the is the empire really doing it? Or are they outsourcing? You know, I mean, all of this stuff yeah. and, and doing it in a very, very subtle way there, but also doing it with on another layer, too, with a character who is very morally ambiguous. Yeah. yeah. And because for him, it's like, hey, is this any better for you? Yeah, because now you've got a lot of other stuff to do, to worry about. Mm-hmm. Whereas before you could just you could kind of make your money and the empire wouldn't really give you a hard time or you could sneak around and all that they had bigger fish to fry right and now you you've got just chaos around you and that idea of what happens during regime change because you yeah. also hear I think what at what point um, I think it was uh, the sin when the Mandalorian's asking grief what what's going to happen to the kid mm-hmm. and he says well you could always report him. To, you know, to the to the Republic or whatever. Yeah. he's like, yeah, what a joke. It's like, yeah, because they're still trying to pick up the pieces and, and get like an, an actual government going. There's like this weird thing happening here. Yeah. And it's just chaos. And there's a lot of stuff that's and a lot of stuff and a lot of people who are falling through the cracks. Yep, Yeah. And I th- and that is another thing that I thought was a a great choice of of why to tell this story the way they did, because you can set it outside of the the traditional trilogy movies. Into one of these periods, that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Like what happens after Endor? Yeah, that's got to just be chaos.
2: Yeah, and and uh, you know the way it's I, I kind of picture it in my head is you you have the aftermath of all this as the umbrella under which all of this is taking place. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 I think you know as we were talking about earlier, I think that's much more exciting to see those stories play out than just what's going on with the aftermath. You know, like like we're so used yeah. to playing. In, in that area of the schoolyard where it's it's absolute evil versus absolute good for, you know, and, and they're fighting for basically uh, ru- ruling the galaxy. And, and it's nice to have stories operating below that level, you know, and, and, and have it be something more more of a microcosm of, of what's going on rather than, than the thing itself, you know?
3: Yeah, because if it's not now, now galactic war, you start getting movies about, oh, I don't know, trade federations. <laughs> And we all know how well that goes.
2: Oh, uh, yeah. I think Todd's facial tick is kicking in at this moment. Uh, uh, what, what were your three while you recover from your facial tick?
3: Well, I, I just want to add in one thing. Oh, sure. Reef Karga is one of those characters who... Star Wars has has this wonderful tradition of movie, of movie characters or, or characters in general who have these names that are kind of ridiculous. Yes. But yet his name is one of those names that... I kind of want to think it's ridiculous, but I like it Mm -hmm. for no good reason. Almost like uh, Forrest Whitaker's character Saw Guerrera in Rogue (laughs) One, which is such kind of this weird name that I'm like, it should be totally lame. I should be like, Saw? Really? That's Saw. Saw. That's dumb. (laughs) But yet I'm like, nope, I love it. I love that character name. Like, I kind of want to change my name to Saw now. What the hell? But anyway, uh, so my favorite characters, uh, in no particular order, uh, we already talked about Moff Gideon, uh, Giancarlo Esposito. Dude is just, like, cool as the other side of the pillow. Mm-hmm. Can't talk too much more about him. IG11, mm-hmm. who I thought was a great character, both in the in the first episode and then later on, kind of as, as, like, Nanny Bot. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was great. I forgot how great that first episode was, where IG Eleven is kind of like engaging self-destruct, and the Mandalorian's like, "Don't, <laughs> <laughs>
2: yes, yes, do not self-destruct." Yes, and
3: he just has to keep on holding him off from blowing himself up as he's trying to figure this. It like just adds one more layer to like, yes, the things that the Mandalorian's trying to do is like, okay, I've got to get, the, I got to get the target. I'm dealing with like eight thousand bad guys, and the guy and the and the droid who's supposed to be helping me keeps threatening to blow himself up. Like, yeah. This is like the worst day ever. You know. The thing <laughs> I just thought that was fantastic and and Taika Waititi his voice he just does such a great job yeah. of kind of doing it with a little bit of a little bit of a smirk. Uh-huh. Just a little bit and still playing it straight. It was just fantastic.
2: I I, I love the quoting of protocol during during that oh, shootout yes. where where he's talking yes. about the the rights of the guild and and you know i i have claimed this prize and this <laughs> yeah and and the whole time he's doing like the rotating thing where he's like you know rotating his torso and his arms and shooting it you know different different directions mm-hmm. and oh my gosh that, that was awesome well, yeah and
3: it, even when he even is like you know we'll we'll split the proceeds you know but i get the recognition credit yeah or whatever <laughs> i'm like are, is, does he think he's in a video game <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's like yeah. what does is, what is the recognition credit even mean? Oh, oh it was
3: gosh. fantastic. Um, yeah, he was great. And then uh, my third favorite was Cara Dune. Uh, uh, uh yeah. Gina Carano is uh, a badass. Mm-hmm. She's fantastic. I would love to see her in some more movies. Uh, I just, I just think she's, I think she really does well. Uh, I would like to actually see her do some some other stuff that doesn't involve just like, hey, look, this person could probably stave your head in with just her fist. Uh, I would love to see her do some other stuff. I think she's uh, she kind of has just this interesting vibe to her, and uh, I thought it was a nice counterpoint to the Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah. And I thought I thought she was I I just thought she was great. And 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 it was nice
2: that they introduced her as a character that. You know, too often in shows like this, you know, you have characters that come in and then they turn on the person. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was nice to see, like in Sanctuary, they established who she was. You know, she, you know, was was helping him, you know, help this village defend themselves. Um, she, she was in lockstep with him and what they were trying to do. It There, there, there was never any, qu- you know, she's different from grief carga in that sense. You know, the, like there isn't a question of where her loyalties lie.
3: Yeah. And, and I thought they kind of they passed up on what i think would have been a very obvious way to go and making her like the former stormtrooper, former imperial they make her a former rebellion fighter Mm -hmm. yeah who then she ditched out when she's like i didn't want to be a peacekeeper i wasn't this i was in it to kick like imperial ass and like get these people and then they want me to go around and like just be nice right no right i'm good i'm out i want you to be nice until it's time to not be nice. Yeah, and then the funny part being, that's kind of what she ends up doing. Right, uh, right. But it's yeah. I just thought that was an interesting way to go, and another way to kind of expand the universe. Mm-hmm. It adds some texture to the universe. Like, oh, the rebellion had these kind of troops. Yep. Mm, interesting.
2: Yeah, and 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 the fact that her character just you know she she's only in like uh, let's see she's in sanctuary, and then uh, we don't see her again until reckoning. Um, yeah. and, and then redemption, but, but her character really kind of rounds out nice as the season mm-hmm. proceeds, and and yeah. we, we leave, you know, when we leave her at the end of the season, she's, you know, she's staying in, I forget, whatever that city is that, that Grief cargo operates out of, but... Wasn't it a Navarro? Yeah, I think something like that, yeah, so so there, yeah, Navarro. You know, so it's interesting to see what ends up happening with her because, it you know, it kind of feels like at the end of the, uh, you know, at the end of the season, they leave things with Navarro kind of, too nicely tied up and and we know that this galaxy right now is a little bit chaotic and doesn't Mm -hmm. have you know government in place where it needs to be so not ever i I have a feeling we'll come back to season two where things are not going to be so neat as we think we left them you know what i mean And, Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing but yeah it was definitely neat to see her character uh you know kind of p- be a nice compliment to the Mandalorian and and balance you know balance him out nicely in in terms of the fighting you know when when, when they go into battle with different different groups yeah totally ah, well let's see so we got top 3 moments top 3 characters now uh we edge into a dangerous zone where we end up uh
3: <laughs> going off into we're the not, woods <laughs> we're not going to do a a scene by scene recap No, we're we not. not going to no we are so not so if you're if you're listening in your car right now, don't worry. You don't need another hour to, for your commute to finish this. That's right. We've we've saved these for last because hopefully we've kind of covered a lot of these already, at least in broad strokes. Yes. So who would you? Wh- how do you want to run this, sir? Do you want to go first? You want me to go first? Why don't you go as, first? As Paul once said, do you, do you, do you talk first? Do I talk first? It's hard to tell with all the apparatus. Uh,
2: I I yield the floor to the senator from Maine.
3: Ah, okay. Well. Uh, My top three episodes uh, were Sanctuary, which is uh, the first appearance of Cara Dune, uh, which was directed by Bryce Dallas Howard so we have nice. a little bit of a tie in with our whole solo mm-hmm. thing before uh which was uh directed by her dad Ron Howard after the original guys got uh, poop canned. and uh <laughs> I, I i did notice uh after looking at all these my three f- uh, favorite episodes of course this is not too hard to do since he wrote 6 out of 8 episodes but all three of my favorites were were John Favreau mm-hmm. uh, writer credits second was the reckoning great episode oh, yeah. uh, directed by uh, Deborah Chow and uh then Redemption kind of rounds it out. So really, kind of that fourth episode, and then the last two I thought were fantastic. But really, easily, mm-hmm. easily could have also picked the the uh, the first episode because oh yeah, it just it built this world, or I should say built on this world mm-hmm. because we already kind of get the whole Star Wars world. But it started, it started really penciling in some of the edges and 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 giving us some texture and also telling us who this character is yeah yeah right off the bat and and adding layers right away like rewatching those the first uh so i rewatched the first five today man that first episode i'm like it's it's slow but rewatching it the second time I'm like man they did such a great job just layer after layer after layer after layer without making you feel like oh we're adding another bit on now yeah it was just done so well. Oh yeah! So that easily could have been like three B for me mm-hmm. easily. And uh, what do you got,
2: sir? So uh, following kind of similar to my top three moments, uh, I have the sin as number one. Um, I think just overall the 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 tone of that story. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, this didn't make it into my top three moments, but but that 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 iconic moment of. You know, Baby Yoda taking the ball off of the uh, yes off of the lever in the ship, and and yes. how and how the episode reflects that at the end when they're flying away and he and he unscrews it himself and gives it to him.
3: Yes, you oh, know, that was fantastic. Was was
2: just such a neat you know kind of you know beginning and and like like just a nice way to bookend that episode given everything mm-hmm. that happened in the middle where he's taking him back, putting him into harm, coming to you know, like like weaving in his backstory to kind of tell us how he himself was an orphan, um or was orphaned and, and giving us that like like I, I loved how Favreau just wove that in and, and subtly kind of brought to bear the fact that he connects with this being because in some ways he identifies with him. You know, that, that mm-hmm. he himself was abandoned and or, mm-hmm. or I shouldn't say abandoned, you know, his his parents were trying to protect him. And yeah. And so because of that, he ends up, you know, on his own, but being raised by a different group. And so, you know, I think he sees his story playing out in this in this alien being. And yeah. and so it, it, it's just neat to see how that weighs on his consciousness and pushes him in the direction of then basically going full on, you know, Mandalorian, breaking into the the safe house, getting him out and then and then going through the shootout to get to his ship to get out of there. So. So the sin was just top to bottom, just m- one of my favorite episodes of the season. Um, you know, mm-hmm. for, for that very reason, uh, the prisoner was next. Uh, that that one. W- so sin was directed by Deborah Chow, uh, written by Jon Favreau. The prisoner was directed by Rick Famuyuya. Sorry if I screwed up his name. It was also written by him and Christopher Yo, So this one was not written by Jon Favreau. What was neat about the prisoner for me was I don't know if you I don't know if you ever watched the show Sons of Anarchy but the guy you you,
3: go ahead yeah uh what's oh my gosh i i had him dang it where is he (laughs) oh mark boone jr i knew who you're talking about ranzar malk yes yes dude yes oh what i he he almost made it in my top three characters i was because he is just such a great sort of sleazy character bobby bobby Well, I never watched Sons of Anarchy, but you know where I recognized him from. Batman Begins, and you when, know what? When he's trying to get Gordon to like to 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 try and like take some of the bribe.
2: Yes, yes.
3: Oh, and 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 actually, no. He he took he gets like the, what was it the, the falafel or something like oh, that. Oh yes, and he that's takes right. Takes the money out of the tip cup.
2: Oh yes. man. Oh that that yeah. And and what's funny is he looks exactly the same in all the roles he plays. Like yes, when, when I saw him in this episode. I, I had to do a double take to see if he was wearing the Sons of Anarchy vest or not, because everything else about him was Bobby. <laughs> so yeah. so it, it was hysterical to see him
3: in this episode um, when he was also in Memento. He was I think he was oh, like the hotel right. the hotel guy. And he looks I mean, he looks kind of the same, like yeah. shorter hair, shorter beard. But yep. just it's like a variation on a theme. It's not a whole other thing. Like this is his look, right? This right. Is, this is the way for Mark Boone Junior. <laughs> and,
2: and that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So so j- just the story on this one with with him, uh, w- with them going and doing basically. I, I mean, it, it was a great heist episode of sorts mm-hmm. um, that that goes yep. wrong. Um, I, I just you know we talked about the moment already, but but just love the action. Love again the. The dissection of the crew by the Mandalorian and just, you know, it, it was kind of neat to see for a brief moment that overlap of his ship flying away while the X-Wings flew in. It was their first time seeing yes. X-Wings. Um, yes. And, and Which,
3: w- actually, one of those pilots was Deborah Chow.
2: Oh, no kidding.
3: Yeah. I had no idea. It, IMDB, man. It's like, it, <laughs> it's my obsession.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's, it's, it's a sickness is what it actually is. Yes, yes. So yeah, so I mean just just the
2: tension in that episode was was really well done I mean it it, it just the episode went fast. Yeah it, it, mm-hmm. uh, it was just a very well done heist heist episode and 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 so it was, it was just you know just my number 2 there and the number 3 was redemption just the uh uh just all around you know Moff Gideon um you know the biker exchange we talked about the uh, the flame yeah. trooper the flame yes. trooper. Uh, that and, was cool. And and, and baby like got Yoda jobbed out pretty quick. And and yeah ba- yeah baby Yoda jobbed him out real quick so <laughs>
3: Yeah. <laughs> but that was pretty cool.
2: But that, that that was awesome. There, you know, there there was the um, you know, c- kind of that emotional moment with IG-11, you know, sacrificing himself um a- after everything else and you you start to see, well, and, and and of course, how can we forget it's the first time we see the Mandalorian's face? Yes. Um so th- that was really cool to kind of now get a bit of humanity now into this character which it, it's a point we really haven't touched on, but it really has been amazing um, the acting that has gone mm-hmm. on um, by is his name. Pedro Pascal, I think, or something. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, with that mask on the whole time. I mean, just you you don't really think about the fact he's wearing a helmet and a mask and you can't see him emote at all, but he's doing it, you know, and um, it's just so well done. So so just just a, th- that was a great episode to end on. Uh, for the season, love to. I'm really looking forward to season two. Um, love seeing the dark saber, See where they they kind of start to explore the story behind that. Um, yes, and and what and you know Moff Gideon having it and and you know I, th- I hope you know as some of the background we get to see some of of what happened to Mandalorians uh, in general mm-hmm. that led to that.
3: So yeah, so so those are my three:
2: the sin, the prisoner, and redemption.
3: I will. I just want to bring up one thing because I think it's an interesting kind of tie in and comparison. I think uh, Pedro Pascal's the acting job he's done is on par with, and I this is a movie that I, I like, but yet I I realize I don't watch nearly as much as I probably should f- for the fact that I like it so much. But V for Vendetta, mm. if you remember that flick, yes, Hugo Weaving, yes, acting behind that that Guy Fox mask the entire movie, yep, managing to convey so much and and oh, Pascal so. does the same thing here. Yeah. And it's 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 great. Oh, it's, it's really really amazing being able to do that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's, it, it it they're doing an amazing job when you forget about it. You know what I mean? Yes. It's it, it's like you don't even really care about it that much until they start to talk about it. You know, and mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah, he he's he has done such a uh, such a fantastic job, really you know, very few complaints and and I know this kind of goes into kind of the last section of things, but very few things that, that I can identify to improve upon because I just feel like every episode was very focused. Every episode, um, you know, told a, very, a, a great story. I mean, we you know, we didn't talk about Gunslinger, but but even the episodes that felt like filler were not filler. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like like the the whole exchange you see with the Mandalorian and the Tusken Raiders was so neat where he's, you know, doing the sign language thing with them to kind of negotiate. Yes the way he approaches the assassin that's buried in in this like mountainous rock where where you know yep. she's taking pot shots at him i mean just just th- there's never really filler in this because it's always it, it's peeling away another layer of this character and yeah and
3: the and just but you also get to see and the i noticed this as i was rewatching this episode today when the other when the the kid who's trying to get into the guild is like you know that's the best you got like a couple flares and we're going to go really fast and he's like hey you wanted this almost like this is the life kid this is how it works like you want to be a bounty hunter like every single thing that you do is a calculated risk yep yep is great and also another imdb trivia moment we we got to get a sponsorship because good (laughs) lord i spend so much freaking time on this and then we
2: parlay that into a spotify thing (laughs)
3: Yes, maybe they can get us on Spotify. Uh no one else will. But um so Fennec Shand uh who is uh played by um hang on a second here I got cuz I'm opening it in a different window. Ming Na Wen, did you know? Did you know that she was the original voice for Mulan in the 1998 uh, movie?
2: I did not. Banana. Now you ba-na-na. Know
3: and she was also Chun-Li in a uh, Street Fighter with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh,
2: there we go. Little Chun-Li.
3: Yeah. Uh let's let's forget about that one and focus on Mulan, shall we? <laughs> uh <laughs> Although I mean, you know, I mean Street Fighter with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Eh, I mean, hey, whatever. It yeah. was it was 1994. Eh, there's a lot of things from 1994 we'd rather forget. Yes. Yes. Uh but yeah, so I, I completely went off the track. I, I don't have a whole lot that I could I could improve on. I again I I think it was really well done. I'm just looking forward to the next yeah season.
2: I just want them to stop calling him Mando Be, because I feel like because well, because I feel like they're blending. Like yes, we all we the viewing audience know he's the Mandalorian, right? But if yeah. he comes from this 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 collective, right? Mm-hmm. It just feels weird
3: for them to call him that. You know what I mean? Well, but think of it this way. So if you go back to what, and I, I was thinking about this too, because I'm like, well, how, why don't they have like a name for him? Because if you look at the, again, if you look at the IMDB, page, <laughs> all of the Mandalorians have a name. Yeah. Like if you go down and uh, and you find, oh, for crying out loud. So Jon Favreau, Paz Vizsla is the name of the Mandalorian that he's playing. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's there's there are names for these Mandalorians. Yeah, and man, the 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 fact that we don't get his name, may, I was like, well, why not? Yeah, and then I realized, well, if there's only one of them around, yeah, then maybe it makes sense, right? They don't know his name, and, and he isn't going out of his way to tell anybody what his name is, what his Mandalorian name is. Yeah. Or if that is if that is a thing, like you get renamed when you become a Mandalorian or, or his original name or whatever. He's not going out of his way to tell anybody anything anyways. Yeah. He's a bounty hunter. So the idea that he is the Mandalorian because he's the only one that anybody ever sees. Yeah. Because they're all the rest of them are, 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 hide, are hiding out. And it kind of goes back to like that, Again, that Western tradition that they're drawing from so heavily with this, like the man with no name, you know, Clint Eastwood. Right. Right. It kind of it kind of fits. But you have to call him something like there has to be some sort of concession. Like, all right, you're not going to see his face. You got to call him something. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And I think that and I think it's it's so funny because that that thing Mando, it can be kind of a uh, like a friendly sort of thing. But I also get, like, this undercurrent of, like, it's also a little bit of an insult. Yeah. Like, there is there is definitely an edge to it that makes you think, like, they're not necessarily, this is not necessarily a term of endearment. Yeah. You know? I could see that. I mean, it, it, I also look at it as identifying
2: him as Mandalorian. It's like calling him, like, a ninja, right? Mm. And then calling him ninja, you know? <laughs> it just It just feels weird. But but it but does. but I do get your point where I mean if he is the only one and they don't know what his name is yeah. then you
3: know what else can you do so yeah, I mean, a part of it I think is just the fact that you do have Carl Weathers like Mendo, <laughs> like dude, aren't you guys supposed to be trying to be a little bit undercover? <laughs> I mean, I know it's totally lawless, but okay, crying okay. out loud, like yeah. why don't you be like, hey, anybody want this guy right here? It's almost, <laughs> but at the same time, it's kind of almost poking fun at that, like in Jurassic Park. You remember when they when a when a person was going in there and to meet with a with Ned. Nedry or whatever it was, because yeah. he's gonna give him the barbazole can that has the put all the stuff in. Right. right. He's like, I got him here, I got him, I got him. See, no one cares. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, the way you did Mando the,
2: the that was that was perfect. That that was exactly like what it sounded like when he walked in. It's like, Hey, look at this guy with the shiny armor. You may want to shoot yeah. him, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's the guy that, you know, took away all your reward. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah, and but I I think the funny part is like just I don't know why but I I do. I just see so many little shades of Apollo Creed, but there's there's moments when when like when like grief has this kind of look on his face and yeah. I'm like that's the exact same look that Apollo Creed had when he was at Rocky's house mm-hmm. in Rocky 4 and the robot comes in. <laughs> just this look of like I'm confused, but I'm gonna play it cool. <laughs> but I'm still really frigging confused uh, right now. Yeah, yeah.
2: Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Oh man. Uh,
3: is is Bert Young still alive? Can we get a can we get him a guest no, in, in I like, think, I think season
2: he, two? I think he passed away. <sighs> I think he passed away. Last oh, year or two yes. years ago, I think.
3: That's right. Yeah. Hey, I should actually hear So before
2: we move on to and another thing. Yes. I will let you know. And maybe you've seen this already, because you are always five steps ahead of me. No, Season well, two. Let's not. Season two of The Mandalorian. I, yes. I think I I read somewhere Miss Katie uh, Sekoff.
3: <laughs> may be joining Oh, us. Lord, I'm getting the vapors. <laughs> <laughs> Starbucks coming to town. Ooh, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's going to be. That's gonna be badass. Oh my god! Sorry, can, I, can, can you imagine her playing a Star Wars character? That's just incredible. Oh man, yeah. I could, I can. I I can because again, I like. At one point, I remember uh, Kevin Smith was so in on Ben Affleck. He's like, I would cast him in Jaws as the shark. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's how that's how in on. Katie Sackhoff I am. Like, I, that's how deep in the bag I am. Like, sure, whatever. Yep. Recast her as Darth Vader. I'll give it a shot. Yep. I, whatever. I just, I, I personally think she's fantastic. Uh, but no, I had not heard that. And well, I, I, I need sorry, you to sorry. forward and, me whatever article you read and in case, that said that.
2: And in case, well, in case my memory fails me on, it was either an article or uh, our good friends at Scruffy uh, Looking Podcasters oh, may have boy. mentioned it.
3: I will... Oh, wait, it's a little bit late. I would normally text James, but no. I, I'll hold off on on texting Jimmy okay. until tomorrow at a, at a right. suitable hour. Because I, I, uh, I was
2: listening to their last episode. Episode 105, I think, is where I heard it. And I think they were talking about it. So that may have been where I heard it. And then I'll have to see if I can find the article I saw.
3: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, uh, in unless uh, things have not uh, been updated... Bert Young still alive and kicking, sir.
2: Oh well maybe I confused Rocky uh, where where Polly died <laughs> with, with reality.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think you might have because Bert Young is still is still with us. He is age seventy nine. He has a birthday coming up Holy on molly. April thirtieth. Wow. So if you happen to uh come across Bert Young in the month of April, be sure to wish him a happy birthday. Maybe get him a little, you know, pine of four roses. What? You haven't peaked yet, and a cigar or something—I don't know, whatever, whatever you want to. Yeah. Um, but yeah.
2: Wow! And look at that—he's
3: still kicking it. I love it. Of Rocky and Back to School fame, yep. is uh, is still with us, nice. and thank God for that. So that that's still in the cards, and you know what? I don't think it's too late. I think we might be able—a writing campaign. We might be able to get a quick little cameo. They can green screen him in.
2: I think so, and have him call him Apollo by accident. Oh, that'd be.
3: Betty yet, Betty yet. Just have him, just have him like in the cantina. Oh, in a, in a cantina. And grief walk by and be like, "I don't sweat you." <laughs> that would be, oh, that, that would be I fantastic. Would fall, I would probably pass out. That would be I would fantastic. pass out and be like, "My life is complete. Take me now." Oh, anyway,
2: my gosh, that's awesome. <laughs>
3: All right. I think it's time enough that we move on. I, well, I, 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 you are executive producing this. Uh, do you think we ought to move on to another thing? I think I'm ready to.
1: And another thing.
3: Well, uh, you are steering the ship here, so uh, who goes first? Uh,
2: why, why don't you go first? I will let you go <gasps> first, and uh, then I shall go.
3: This might actually be my first time going going first for and another thing uh i usually feel bad because i'm hoping to just say mine and get the hell out uh but <laughs> and and this time it's actually kind of weak too uh, uh although go for we, it. i i will say it's it might feel weak but i think it's actually kind of important and i it's something that has actually made a, a fairly big difference in my life my end another thing this week uh this episode is not a, a thing or a uh a movie or anything like that that you can kind of indulge in. Uh, it's been cutting back on Facebook. Uh, Amen. I actually spent I spent three weeks away from Facebook. I took myself a little social media fast. and I noticed uh, two things. One, how easy it was to almost go back and, and just by reflex, go onto Facebook and start scrolling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to, I really caught myself several times just doing it out of reflex uh, and for nothing more than like, oh, I've got five minutes to kill, which would have then turned into like 35 minutes because I have little self-control when it comes to this. The other thing was that, man, did I ever feel a lot better and less anxiety and less stressed out Yeah, not being on Facebook for three weeks. It was kind of remarkable. And then I went back... After three weeks off and did not really have any guidelines, I, I, I just figured, okay, I'm going to give this a try. I'm going to see how this feels with the knowledge that this makes me feel like crap. I'm going to see what my natural tendencies are for a week. And I was right back in it, feeling like crap, feeling the anxiety and all that. And so now I've actually put into place, I, I check Facebook twice a week, and it's really like 20 minutes at a clip. And that's it. And you know what? I don't miss it at all. <laughs> Good. Like it, it, I feel a hell of a lot better. So nice. for anyone out there who might be getting a little bit of that dread or notices somewhere in the back of their head they're spending an awful lot of time scrolling endlessly through all of this crap and getting worked up about people who are just trolling each other, mm-hmm. cutting back on that stuff is an option. I'm just going to throw it out there. You can do it. It's okay. There are other and, ways uh, to communicate. Well, yeah, there's other ways to communicate, and sometimes you don't need to be in touch. Yeah. You do not need to be in touch with the rest of the world all the time. So that is my another thing.
2: And and as said best in the social network, since I just watched it yesterday uh, on, on replay, is uh, you know not every single thought in our heads needs to be uh, put out there for the world to see. hmm <laughs> <laughs>
3: so, Although the problem is with that, we would be out of jobs for this podcast well, if we just didn't.
2: Yeah, but at least we try to make people laugh. <laughs>
3: yeah maybe I'm just speaking for myself on that one. Oh. I'm realizing how how few filters I happen to engage during these, which might be for better or worse. We'll see. oh boy, And what was yours, sir? uh
2: well my mine is uh you know kind of kind of in in the normal vein of what we do. um I uh, went with oh, you show off you. I went with the misses to see one of the oscar nominated uh films uh, for best Picture. I believe tonight at one. Uh, as of this recording, it won for best screenplay or best original screenplay, but it is the South Korean film uh, called *Parasite*. This film was uh, so it had it had English subtitles, uh, so it's it's all uh, all in in Korean um, as you're taking it in. But very good movie, very good story, uh, interesting take on social and economic classes and their impact on one another. I know that sounds makes it sound like a documentary, but it's not. Um, it is. Uh, it's hard to really qualify it because it has elements of, um, you know, in, in some cases it's it's a bit you know comedic. In other cases, it's drama, um, and mm-hmm. then there's definitely a little bit of a horror vibe with it. Like I, I'm not going to go too too deep or, or, or go or say that it's it is horror because it's it's not in the truest sense of what you would think that would be. It just has an element of it um, yeah. in it. But it it was just very interesting, you know, just um, both from uh, it's it's about a a, a poor family who um, kind of uh, cons their way into different jobs of, ser- of servitude within this rich household and just, you know, kind mm-hmm. of um, how how that relationship plays out uh, o- over time um, based on on the ways that they treat one another. And so mm-hmm. it, it was just it was very well done, had, had some very interesting, uh, very interesting twist in it toward the end, um, which which I, I, I liked and can certainly understand why it was. Uh, nominated for an Oscar because uh, it, it it really was just just a very top to bottom well put together story uh, directed by Bong Joon Ho, uh, but it was a very good uh, very good movie um, and and having been in uh, you know been in Seoul uh, or not was I in Seoul Yeah, I think I was in Seoul
3: uh, <laughs> <laughs> you world traveler you I I've, I've been to so many was places. I in Seoul or Toledo I can't remember. <laughs> I always get those two confused.
2: <laughs> I think I was in Seoul. I I I tell you man, it's just it's a blur. <laughs> it's all
3: a blur. Um anyways. Well, you, you it, travel a lot more than I do, <laughs> so I can't fault you for that. That that's totally reasonable in 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 your life. But
2: if if you have a chance to check it out, um, you know, I know with Oscar Oscars being on tonight, probably a lot of these movies won't won't be out uh, in theaters. But uh, but if you have a chance to catch it in kind of an artsy independent film hall, uh, try to try to see it. Uh, v- very well done, uh, Parasite.
3: Well, maybe if uh, if it ends up winning be- Best Picture, it will get a re-release. Oh, that, sometimes yeah. that will happen. That's true. That's true. We definitely thank everybody for hanging out with us and, and for listening. And, and, and as always, if you've made it this far, damn it, get yourself a drink on us because you deserve it for making this far. Uh, and we've certainly enjoyed a, a beverage or two while we've been doing this. So uh, I think it's about time for us to shuffle on out the door here. And as usual, uh, now that we've concluded the formal part of our podcast, I hand off to once, uh, once again, to the man they call Tim, to really just take us home, to deliver the benediction, to kind of tie all this up, and and try to make some sort of sense of my my own nonsensical ramblings, <laughs> and and try and just send us out on a good note. Absolutely. So, sir, what do
2: you got? Absolutely. Well, we we've we've been talking about a, a series that that is top to bottom solid, that is co- mm. that has has completeness to it, um, mm-hmm. that that has. Developed characters that we care mm-hmm. about. Uh, that mm-hmm. that tells a wonderful story of of mm-hmm. a grizzled bounty hunter taking care of a helpless young
3: baby Yoda. Uh, mm-hmm. We and barbecuing stormtroopers left, right, and center. And barbecuing, that absolutely amen. Um, crispy critters, crispy critters. That's right. fricasseed if you will. fricasseed <laughs> troopers.
2: Gosh oh my gosh yeah this this is a benediction of sorts all right but oh. uh but yes if, if
3: for them <laughs>
2: if you haven't seen it see it uh of course we've spoiled pretty much the
3: entire season for you if you haven't uh, oh it's not spoiled it, it's it's fine it'll be fine it'll be there's all a good. lot of stuff we didn't talk about yeah that's right
2: that's least. true there, there there's a fair amount we didn't touch on
3: but you you can't you could have heard my eye roll yeah <laughs> But hey, you know
2: we we were able to keep it under two hours. Uh,
3: <gasps> what? No. I, I just gasped. I was I was sh- as shocked as you were. I just looked at the time myself. I'm Like, whoa. I know. Look I at know. that. And, Wait a minute. We got. Isn't there a ninth episode we can talk about? Uh, no, we we don't have the hidden ninth episode. So no. Oh.
2: But uh, but no. Damn you, Favreau. D- d- <laughs> Definitely uh, check it out. Uh, season two coming in September on Disney Plus.
3: This is the way.
2: This this is the way. Hit the lights on the way out. I have spoken. I that took the wrong week. Quit drinking.
1: I beg your pardon. What did you say? <clears throat> You're such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. Get out. And don't come back. You'll yourselves
2: So say we all
1: So say we all
0: I mean that really got out of hand fast